KCSB FM in Santa Barbara, 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Ava Courageon. And I'm Bella Janolia with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we focus on art around the area, offering a snapshot of two art exhibitions taking place on campus. One is an installation created by students in the Environmental Leadership Incubator Program and is on display at the UCSB Davidson Library. And in honor of International Women's Day, we'll share with you two female-themed exhibitions of women over the ages, now showing at the Art Design and Architecture Museum at UCSB. Let's get into our show tonight. Women throughout history are front and center of two art exhibitions on display at the Art Design and Architecture Museum at UC Santa Barbara. The ADNA Museum website describes the piece Sandy Rodriguez Unfolding Histories, 200 Years of Resistance, as a chronicle of 200 years of uprisings in Central California and ongoing cycles of violence in communities of color. The second piece, On Famous Women, 1400-1700, to celebrates famous women from the period throughout numerous mediums of art. KCSB's Sandy Ganesh spoke with the curator of these installations to learn more. Hello and welcome to KCSB News. I'm your host Sandy Ganesh and today we have with us art historian and the curator of the current exhibition Sandy Rodriguez Unfolding Histories 200 Years of Resistance at the Arts, Design and Architecture Museum at UC Santa Barbara. Could you please state your name and how you'd like to be identified? My name is Sophia Quach McCabe and I would like to be identified as she, her, she and her. You're also currently curating two different exhibitions at UCSB's Arts, Design, and Architecture Museum. Could you please briefly state what each focuses on? The first exhibition is Sandy Rodriguez Unfolding Histories, 200 Years of Resistance. It is about the recovery of indigenous knowledge. Uh, Sandy Rodriguez has always used locally sourced materials, such as like plants, like cochinilla, uh, you know, kind of animals, uh, and earth minerals and then hand processes them into pigments uh, for painting on traditional amate paper. Um, Amate paper is made from fig fig and mulberry bark. So that's the first exhibition. Uh, The second exhibition is called On Famous Women, 1400 to 1700. This exhibition is about uh, illustrious women um, depicted in the uh, 15th to 17th centuries. And it has paintings, paintings, prints, and uh, portrait medals from the permanent collection. Um, So like what goes into curating a show? As a curator, I organize exhibitions with the museum team. What this means is I research, select the works of art, develop the theme of the exhibition, write the gallery text, work closely with the ADNA Museum to ensure the look and feel of the design meets and supports the themes of the show. And that could mean anything from the gallery layout to the title treatment to the wall color. I also work with the registrar to make sure the works I've selected are in presentable condition. And if they're not, they are sent out for uh, conservation. For Sandy Rodriguez's show, because she herself has done the research and consulted with art historians, ethnobotanists, Uh, scientists, as well as Chumash linguists for the works, as well as written uh, the text uh, herself. 
I help edit and facilitate communications with the museum team in order to realize her vision. Let me back up and just say like, because you, you know, a lot of our uh, listeners may not have seen the exhibition yet. Um, the exhibition for Sandy's show has um, maps, monumental maps, as well as a double, like a eight foot by eight foot double-sided folding screen painted um, and a large accordion book that is on Amate um, and uh, three botanicals, uh, large size. Um, and then um, two, what uh, she's calling fire paintings or pronosticos. And I can explain that in a bit. So there's a, a, a number of objects or a number of works of art there that are also a bit multimedia. And so um, she has, again, um, worked with a lot of community to bring into uh, these works um, the knowledge of like the plants, uh, what sort of you know, plants for healing and trauma, uh, et cetera. Um, for the second show, uh, which is again on the permanent collection, the On Famous Women uh, from the permanent collection, this show, um, I, my, you know, in terms of curation, it's developing the theme of the show, developing uh, all the um, the narrative and the writing, and trying to understand like which, you know, how can we tell the story? For me, how can I tell the story of art from maybe a perspective that has not been, you know, told of these objects together before. And in terms of these objects, it's, you know, these works of art, I've also selected them. Um, so versus Sandy's, which she has, you know, already um, in mind her own works of, you know, of what she wants to show. Have you ever curated a show focusing on the Indigenous experience before? No, in fact, this is the first time I have curated a show focused on the Indigenous experience. Uh, absolutely. And this, I have to say, this show, um, it's been an incredible experience uh, working with Sandy and um, understanding like how she works, but also kind of recovery of knowledge and also um, how her show and how her, her paintings and works of art basically look at the indigenous experience from, you know, again, the colonized viewpoint. Um, so for example, her whole body of work um, speaks out against ongoing cycles of violence upon communities of color. So this is her whole body of work. Um, the, in particular, in this ex exhibition, she has, for example, um, the Biombo, which I mentioned was the eight foot by eight foot or approximately eight foot by eight foot double-sided folding screen. Her sources for the Biombo, uh, the Biombo itself, her even using the Biombo as the medium and calling it a Biombo has to do with uh, subverting new Spanish you know, colonial history. So what that what I mean by that is that in the 16th century, um, Biombos were used to celebrate uh, triumphs of the of the colon uh, of the colonizers so new spain and so what she's doing is she's subverting that by using uh, the biombo to um you know celebrate uh the the indigenous experience in terms of the indigenous resistance 
And so we see this in, um, we see a, a map of this in, of, of the Central Valley on the Biombo itself. Um, so on one side, for example, we have um, uh, the, the 1824 um, Chumash Revolt uh, area sites of resistance there. So including um, the missions um, Santa Inez. And so it was Santa Inez, La Parisima, and Santa Barbara missions. Um, so, and then on the on the backside of the um, the Biombo is a view of Santa Barbara, a night sky. Sorry, a nocturne or night sky view of Santa Barbara's mainland from the um, Santa Cruz Island, the you know the Channel Islands, and the the island itself is is known as Lemieux in Chumash. For me, just working and learning more about um, the indigenous experience has been an incredible uh, journey. Why do you think art helps process the trauma of displacement for native people? This is a very good question. Number one, I think art in terms of even um, visualizing the, the trauma itself acknowledges the trauma so that alone that's step one um and i think um for the indigenous peoples and you know seeing their ancestors basically um acknowledge and recognize and and the importance of um what they bring to history is is what i think um art can help do in terms of healing you know, with this exhibition, this is, you know, one of the kind of most important factors of, of my working on it is, you know, how, um, how can this exhibition reach out to the Chumash peoples and, and the indigenous uh, peoples in terms of bringing um, some sort of healing together? If our listeners want to find out more about these exhibitions, where can they find out more? For more information about the exhibitions, please visit the uh, ADNA Museum's website, www.museum.ucsb.edu. So what I love about working with Sandy and this exhibition, Unfolding Histories, is how she blends history with the present day. She tells the story of history from the perspective of the colonized through her anti-colonial works of art. And this is a history that is often left out of Western history books. The exhibition is named like 200 Years of Resistance, but I feel like the exhibition itself is also an act of resistance. Yeah, I'd like to address that a little bit because I think you asked, um, or, you know, the, the idea of art as activism. So certainly, um, I think Sandy's works point to that. Um, her, you know, we've already talked about the Biombo a little bit, but also her um, pronosticos or fire paintings, as I had mentioned uh, at the beginning. Um, so they point to not only um, the past in terms of the, the source is taken from um, the Florentine Codex, uh, the name pronostico meaning omen. And so that is book 12 of the Florentine Codex, uh, whereby like a tongue of fire um, 
was seen in the sky for about a year. Uh, and that was prior to the arrival of the Spaniards. And so then bringing it to today, whereby we see um, wildfires across California and the, and the Southwest, and even, I guess, yeah, all of California, <laughs> um, we see that today. And that you know, points to, of course, um, climate change, but also um, kind of the, the colonial aggression on the land. So I think Sandy's work, of course, um, supports the, you know, the idea of art as activism. Um, I think that's all I have for you. Is there anything else you would like to add? I think, you know, I talked about colonization. Um, you know, one thing that Sandy's, one thing that Sandy's works, I mean, a lot of things, but one thing that uh, her works reveal, um, obviously, you can see it in the title, uh, some of the titles of the works themselves, but they reveal the, the atrocities of colonialism and um, colonialism's legacies. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Bella Ginolio. And I'm Ava Courageon with KCSB News. That was KCSB's Sandy Ganesh speaking with Sophia McCabe, curator of two women-themed art exhibitions now on display at the ADNA Museum at UC Santa Barbara. The exhibition is free and open to the public. Learn more at museum.ucsb.edu. Anthroterra, an art exhibition depicting humanity's relationship with the environment through the past, present, and future, is on display on the first floor of UCSB's Davidson Library. We talked with one of the exhibition's co-founders, Noah Weiss, to learn more about the project. Noah also spoke about the environmental leadership incubator through which he created the project, the exhibit's connection to UCSB Reads, and how students can interact with the exhibit. Hello there. We are at UCSB's Davidson Library with special guest Noah Weiss. Noah, why don't you introduce yourself? Also, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Eli Project, which is what we're here to talk about today. Awesome. Thank you both so much for having me. So my name's Noah Weiss. I'm a third-year environmental studies major here at UCSB. And for my environmental leadership incubator project, I created, alongside Lucas Crack, an exhibit called Anthroterra, which is here at the UCSB library. The ELI program, Environmental Leadership Incubator, is a year-long environmental projects course so you spend the fall semester, fall quarter in a seminar-style class where you're learning about leadership skills, you have guest speakers, and they basically give you the tools you need to prepare a project. Then come the winter and spring, you're paired up with a mentor, and you bring your project into fruition. Um, and then the spring, the program ends with a capstone presentation, so it's really an incredible program run by Professor Simone Pulver and Dr. Erica Zollett. So for our project, we really want to do something big, meaningful, and bold. And we want to do something that could really inspire and cultivate people to take action. So originally we wanted to do a full-scale museum, but <laughs> that was a little bit far-fetched for a a year-long project and two, two undergrads who have never created an art exhibit before. So we referred to the UCSB library 
where we got in touch with Alex Regan, and she's the events and exhibitions librarian here. And Alex encouraged us to apply for a space in the library, and we were approved for the space. And then we started working with Kristen Labont, who's a reference librarian here, and Kristen has been wonderful, and we really lucked out with her as a mentor. So Lucas and I applied for the Green Initiative Fund grant, and we were lucky to receive it. We received roughly $4,500 to bring the exhibit to life. And believe it or not, all of you UCSB students who are listening, you paid for it. Each quarter, I think you pay like $1.50. And the Green Initiative Fund does projects to greenify the campus, but they also do projects to educate so our project fell into the education category. All right, so we are here at the Oceanside entrance on the first floor of UCSB's Davidson Library. Can you kind of give an overall picture of the exhibition for our listeners? The piece starts with creation and evolution. We have the solar system, we have a variety of colors, and then we morph into dinosaurs and human evolution from apes into humans. Um, moving on to the piece, we go into the agricultural revolution and the industrial revolution, the rise of cities and urbanism and creation and innovation. Then with the rise of cities, we have the rise of the consequences associated with industrialization and with capitalism and it leads into the horrible effects of our environmental degradation and damage and then into a sense of a greener future. We have protesters, we have the UN, we have people taking charge and creating environmental action and change and then it leads right into the fourth piece with mirrors and moss for people to look into a green future and how they can envision themselves within the green future. Um, and then next to it, there's typically post-it notes where people will respond to a question and provide their answers for the whole community to enjoy. Um, but again, it's also important to note the color scheme, how it's going from dark to light to dark to light. We wanted it to be as colorful as possible, to really be appealing to the eye, but also really triggering people to take action and really gain a sense of deep reflection. Yeah, we are. We see this quite often when we come to the library. It's a pretty central location, and um, yeah, it's cool to see all the rotating artwork and to hear kind of some of the background of this project. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to do like a big exhibition. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind your project for you and your partner? Yeah, so both Lucas and I went into the program with very different ideas. I wanted to do something that could really bend the arc and it was based upon like 
differences I've had with my family over environmental issues, and I want to find a way to bridge that divide. And Lucas had a very artistic, driven idea. He wanted to do some filmmaking. And we actually were inspired because somebody from the Green Initiative Fund came into the class and said, you could win $40,000 for your project. And I said, oh, wow, we, Lucas, we need to go crazy. <laughs> and that's honestly where it stemmed from. It, it was just like one, one big idea just sparked this, this urge to do something big. Okay, so you described a little bit about your inspiration and why what you were trying to kind of inspire with this project. What are you trying to get students to think about when they see the exhibit? So when students see the exhibit, we want them to reflect. This is very much a reflection piece, but it's also a statement piece. Part of the goal is, especially with the location, and I think we lucked out with the most foot traffic spot on campus, and... There's always a delay with the elevators here, so people are there. And part of the goal was that for the kid who's waiting anxiously for their elevator to go up to the eighth floor, like, what's this? And really go and take a look at it. That's why we want it to be provocative. And again, with self-reflection in our fourth panel, there's the mirrors. And we want people to envision themselves in the green future and really, really reflect and there's also an opportunity at, next to the fourth panel where people can post post-it notes. I see there aren't any up there right now. I think they're interchanging the question. But we want it to be something that the community is interacting with and really gets people thinking. All right, so you talked a little bit about the components of the exhibit. What is your personal favorite part of the exhibit? I think my personal favorite part is the fourth panel because I think it's really it's really been surreal to see people experience it and interact with it and I think I think once people look at it they realize like the whole piece like comes together to them um like this project is like very unique and very special because the library has given us a platform to spread awareness and really get the community thinking in doing so through the unique medium of art. But again, it's really a community-centric project, and the community has been incredible and like super instrumental in shaping it to life. You really are emphasizing community in this project, which is very central to the UCSB experience, I think. Um, you mentioned that the exhibits in the library for students to come see community members can also come see how else would you encourage students to get involved um how can they get involved with the eli project and also how would you encourage they get involved and start thinking about their own actions environmentally what are some steps maybe they could take great question so here at ucsb we're at the beacon of the environmental movement Earth Day was started here at UC Santa Barbara. That's what sparked the environmental studies program as well. So there's no shortage of environmental organizations on campus to get involved with. And for every niche of environmentalism, there's something. Also with research, there's so many research opportunities just waiting at your fingertips. And 
don't be afraid to reach out and send an email to a researcher if you're interested in what they're doing. Um, in regards to the Eli program, I believe in the spring they start taking applications and they take about 30 students across all majors and disciplines on campus and it's really incredible and bias aside, it's the best class I've taken here and I can't recommend it enough because you're forced to do hands-on real-world things, whether that's setting up interviews, reaching out to professionals, learning how to give a pitch, learning public speaking skills, taking an idea and bringing it to life. And what's nice is they're, they're there to help you the whole way. I'd say here on campus, like, don't be afraid to go big and don't be afraid to go bold. So many people told us that the project was a long shot, that it wouldn't happen, that we wouldn't receive the grant, um, and that ultimately like, it wouldn't go up on the wall, but we were able to prove them wrong and bring it to life. That must have been so rewarding, having to kind of see your project through all stages, work on it long term, and then finally be able to see community interaction. It's very inspiring, and I'm sure our listeners will be interested in the Eli program after uh, they listen to this and applying to that and everything. So I'm glad you were able to share some insight on some of that process. Um, Another community project we have at UCSB is UCSB Reads, and your, your project kind of goes hand in hand with our book this year. Can you talk about that a little bit? Right. So we're honored to be a part of UCSB Reads this year for their book, Happy City. And it's something that when we approach the library with our exhibit, we're grateful that they were able to overlap, ironically, our project and the goals of Happy City. And Happy City I'm yet to read it, but I know it's about urban planning in the hopes of designing happier, better, more sustainable cities, and that's the ultimate goal of a green collective future. All right, well, thank you so much for walking us through the exhibit, telling our listeners where they can find it and how they can get involved. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to thank KCSB for sharing this on their platform. I also want to thank everyone for coming to the library and interacting with it. Um, and please like, feel free to provide thoughts, feedback, and reflections, because again, this is a community project. And it's something ongoing, so it'll be up through the end of June. So there's plenty of time to interact with it and to reflect on it. And come sometime in late April, there is going to be a reception which will be open to the community. And we want to have as many people there as possible to really reflect and engage together on the piece. That was Noah Weiss speaking about his new art installation at the UCSB Library. It is in connection with UCSB Reads, a campus and community-wide reading event. The public is invited to attend the free events associated with UCSB Reads. And be sure to tune in here to KCSB FM 91.9 on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. to hear selected readings from the book, 
Happy City, Transforming Our Lives Through Urban Design. The author, Charles Montgomery, will be on campus for an author talk in Campbell Hall on Wednesday, May 10th at 7.30 p.m. This event and many of the other UCSB Reads events are free to attend and the greater community is invited. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista on KCSB-FM in Santa Barbara. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Bella Ginolio. And I'm Ava Karadian. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser.